ever wanted to break out of your cubicle and into a business where you can call the shots? You Break Guy Fix is looking for passionate self-starters interested in a franchise opportunity in the booming electronics repair industry. At You Break Guy Fix, we help reconnect people to the devices that they rely on so that they can get back to what matters most. This is a big responsibility. And from the moment you join our family, our franchisees are provided with the resources and support to bring affordable and convenient electronics repair to your community. Did we mention that with amazing partners like Samsung and Google, You Break I Fix franchisees also have access to the highest quality parts and personalized training out there, as well as specialized tools. It's true. And it's also easy to visit youbreakifix.com forward slash franchising and learn more about your big break at your very own You Break I Fix. Your AC works overtime all summer, so be sure to replace your old air filters with new Filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your Filtry air filters today at Filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. What is going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here, bringing you another edition of the Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the charity Workday Charity Open. And I, of course, am not Kenny Kim. I am Tyler Tambaline, but any opportunity I get to be Kenny Kim, I'd love to take it. So thought I would introduce Kenny. Unfortunately, we got some bad news this week. Kenny is not feeling the best. A uh, little bit somber moment he mentioned at first. I think he was joking, but he did say that he thought it could be food poisoning or anything as high as coronavirus. Him and I are both hoping that it's just crown coronavirus and maybe a lack of crown royal lately, but all the work he's been doing, things like that, definitely hope in all seriousness that Kenny's doing okay and really looking forward to having him back on the pod because you guys know how much I hate hosting, but I did bring you this week a pretty good guest, so we'll start it off. I'm going to introduce him. Some of you know him on Twitter as a mush extraordinaire. Others know him from DraftKings as the guy that always comes in second in the qualifiers, but most of you know him from Twitter as at rbearoff427. Ryan Baroff, frequent guest of the Golflandia podcast with Matthew Wiley, doing some great things over there. Mr. Baroff, thank you for doing this, and how are you doing this week? Toe Tag and Tambo, we are doing well. Uh, appreciate you having me on. I'm sorry that it had to be without Kenny Kim. Last time uh, the three of us had a pod, that went pretty well. It was a lot of fun. Uh, got some good stories, which I'm sure you'll get into. Um, yeah, last week was great. Uh, plenty to talk about with Bryson, and looking forward to uh, the Memorial Light this week. Yeah, so actually, it's funny you brought that up, because last time we were on a podcast together was the three of us, you're right, with Kenny there. So again, RIP Kenny, we hope he's okay. But uh, I know that uh, it was for the memorial. So that's kind of funny, you know, just this just happened randomly, get you back on the pod. We did have you on last time for the memorial. It went pretty well, I think, especially for you. So I know like you said, it's the memorial light here at the Workday Charity Open, but it's an event. It's going to be exciting. It's at a great course, which we'll get to the preview of all that later. Uh, yeah, last week, got to talk a couple couple things. First off, guys, got to let you know again, podcast is presented by Roto-Grinders. You can head on over to rotogrinders.com slash dgen. If you want to try it out, you can get the core premium. It's $15 for five days. You get a promo. If you get the first month, you can get it for $29.99. And then there's a $50 off special if you want to do the annual package. But I do want to bring up quickly, Kenny wanted me to talk about this, and we have to. I, I kind of felt it last week on the pod. He was on a sort of a downswing with his picks, and he bounced back. Only really Sabatini hurt him. He had three other great picks. I know most of the lineups were four to six, and his lineups were five out of six. So he definitely cashed there, did quite well. The other items that he posted out in his article on the week, he had 
uh, three of the other eight guys that he posted all finished top five. So not the, you know, overall the best odds, but I think when you got three top fives, that'll help out a lot of lineups, both cash and GPP. So great work to him. We're going to get to Bryson, of course, you know, elephant in the room, but I got to take my L first because we knew Bryson would show up. We said that. I'm not one of these Bryson haters or think he's bad for the game or anything like that. I, I don't really care about any of all that stuff. It was just more of a game theory play. But on the week that was supposed to be baby swag for me, it was more like Ricky baby swag. And if you ain't first, you're last. And I was definitely fucking last. I was even DFL in some tournaments. So uh, not the best week for me. Classic slate, showdown, anything. Tried to bounce back, couldn't get there. Gave a little bit back. Tis the GPP life. How was your week last week overall? And then what did you think of the event, Ryan? Um, very mediocre. Uh, last week, I, I had about uh, about field average on, on Bryson, maybe a little bit less. Uh, but a couple of the guys, the uh, more popular punts at the top, uh, Armour, Hubbard, Stewart, I had none of. Uh, and so that was a big problem for me. I had all the guys who fell. Uh, Scott Stallings was up there, fell back. Wes Bryan fell back. Uh, uh, Richie Wierenski fell back. And of course, my highest zone of the week was Webb Simpson. So um, I guess early Saturday morning felt really good about things. Um, and then he just had a horrible weekend. So uh, looking forward to getting back after it this week. Um, nice to have a field without Bryson. Um, yeah. uh, just so we have other things to talk about. But I mean, ultimately, how are you not impressed with him? Um, yeah. It is still very clear what his weakness is. And that is you know, trying to get the ball close from, from 40 to a hundred yards. But when you're going to gain five and a half strokes putting, uh, it doesn't really matter how close you hit it. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. And then that's the thing about it, right? I know I saw some stuff over the weekend that he literally broke shot link and that's pretty crazy, but uh, yeah, I mean, the drive is insane. It really didn't matter on that course where he put it, uh, you know, there was some good talk around some of the, you know, majors talk already. Obviously he's become the favorite at pretty much every major out there. Like I said, I'm not a Bryson hater. I've got my 45 to one master's ticket. I've got 28 to ones, 25 to ones. I've got big numbers on Bryson at these majors. Cause we kind of expected something like this. I just didn't expect it this soon. As you mentioned, you know, the putter has, was on fire, but you know, it's, it's just part of the game. Some weeks that's going to happen. And we knew when it happened, he would sort of take off with a field. He won by three poor Matt Wolf. I mean, it had a lot going, didn't really do the greatest to start Sunday, but did bounce back. I mean, he still had a good outing for him. And I mean, he was a, a lot of guys on him, 125 to one people at each way tickets, all that, you know, other guys up the board were there Hatton. Uh, Webb, you talk about Webb just had a horrible weekend, still 15 under. Kenny posted some stats on Twitter over the weekend about, you know, Webb being elite and some of the, you know, areas he shows in as like as much as Rory or JT even over the past couple of years in wins, top five, top tens, that sort of stuff with made cuts and everything. So, uh, you know, these guys are still showing up. Hatton himself has been on a tear. I know you probably have some takes on him, but, you know, the, the win himself at API, which is very strong field, lots of his own top eights when we when people were talking this week before Bryson got the win about all his top eights and you know Hatton's sort of on that path and again not really the greatest outing but still a t4 at minus 16 so any thoughts on Hatton Webb this those guys that are also up there with Bryson right now yeah I mean Webb was extremely uh surprising to see him fade you know he he has been so good for so long uh and I mean it's it's been across the board obviously he, he hits fairways he's elite with the irons and he's been so good with the putter um but yeah, I mean, this weekend, he, he just seemed to have no mojo. On, on Saturday, the irons were still okay, uh, but he couldn't hit a fairway, and he missed some short putts. And on Saturday, he just never got it going. Um, he made three bogeys, I think uh, maybe three in a row, back nine, and then made a couple birdies, and then fell back again. Um, Hatton is, is, is very interesting. You know, we saw it towards the end of last year on the Euro Tour. He kind of found his groove. He won in Turkey, played well kind of throughout the winter and then came here one API and has really just been super consistent since um, he, he does tend to run very hot or very cold with the putter. Um, and obviously right now it's very, very hot, and but he also, too sometimes. Yeah, yeah, of course. But I mean, he, <laughs> he hits a lot of fairways and greens, so he's, yeah. he's kind of always going to be there. And, and if he does have these weeks where he's gaining two and a half, three and a half strokes putting, like, yeah, he's going to be in the top five. Yeah. And I think with him, I don't know, like it's not a hot take or anything because he's obviously great and we've already witnessed that and we've seen it, you know, sort of shown out, like I mentioned with the, with the numbers and the results, but he always does feel a little bit underrated still, just like he's not going to fit in with those names. Kind of like how, you know, Fleetwood is still a name that we're all over in our little bubble. 
but not everyone wants to take him. When it comes to these bigger events, he gets priced way down at majors normally because there's just too many big names. So be more interested to see with him how he gets priced. Even a guy like Webb, which we just talked about how he gets priced. The, the bigger theory, though, will be on Bryson DeChambeau. And I'm glad, like you said, it's Memorial Light Week and we don't have to really talk about this. But next week's going to be the conundrum sort of maybe well, I've got you on here. Just when he pops out next week at the Memorial looking ahead, and you've got all these other names, you know, presumably Tiger Woods, you've got Rory, DJ, uh, everybody, right? Just name them all. Justin Thomas, they're all going to be there. Brooks, everyone. What, what's sort of your th early thoughts on that situation, assuming he's going to be priced right to the top and it's going to be a decision now with all those other guys around him and everyone just saw him crush and win a tournament. Mind you, it was the Rocket Mortgage Classic. So, you know, something to be said there. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, you know, I'm going to see how it goes this week and, and who of these guys plays well. I mean, all the studs who are here, maybe, I guess, maybe with the exception of, of Rom, who I don't love this week, but Brooks, Cantley, Xander, uh, Matsuyama, uh, Morikawa even, I think all of them suit this course pretty well. Um, I'll be inclined to play them again next week if, if they do well this week. And um, yeah, I mean, next week's basically a major field. Uh, I'm not ready to play Bryson in major fields. Um, I certainly am not ready to play him on this golf course as the favorite. So um, as of now, he would probably not make my list. But again, I guess there's a lot that can change in a week. Yeah, I like getting a second opinion just because I know you probably won't be on with us next week. But I just wanted to say that because it is going to be interesting to see how people go about it when that comes down to it, when there's everyone to pick from there. One thing you just hit on, which is sort of the recent form factor. I know that's sort of a big thing that everyone goes back and forth on. I'm definitely more on team recent form. But uh, interesting note for like last week, coming into the Rocket Mortgage Classic, Bryson, Hovland, Redman, Glover, Stewart, Hubbard and Tyler Duncan were all the guys who had made every cut. And then if you look at all those names, Bryson was the winner. Hovland was right up there. Redmond Glover had a pretty good week. Stewart was up there. Even Hubbard, who we, you mentioned, like everyone, Tyler Duncan made the cut. They all made it again. So this recent form has really been even more of a factor coming back from this break that we've had. So it's good to see that. We'll talk about it when we get into this week, going to quickly go into last week's Lister league winner. We did uh, keep the same going for this week. So you guys see, I posted it out. On my Twitter, at Toteg and Tambo, if you don't follow me, you can check it out there. It's got the link. We've got 1,500 entries. It's a $5 three-entry max, 750 to first, very balanced payout structure. Almost 20% of the field gets paid. Last place gets double their money. I'll give you the lineup here, Bear Off, for last week. It was Schwab72. He reached out to me and said he actually let his girlfriend help him pick a lineup in his three max, and this was the one that took it down. So... For easy. those of you that think it's a, yeah, it's easy game, right? It's we we work all week on this stuff. We grind hours of the night all throughout, thinking these theories back and forth, making up narratives, and it all comes down to just letting your girlfriend pick the lineup with you. But pretty damn good lineup. I'll read it off to you. you can give me your thoughts. Bryson, Hovland, Redman, Wolf, Tringali, and Merritt. So obviously some you know Bryson, Wolf. If you did, if you had them, you were pretty much in good shape. A lot of the guys that took down tournaments had that exact pairing. But Tringali and Wolf at the bottom were interesting. What do you think of the lineup? Yeah, I mean, uh, I personally had had quite a bit of Matt Wolf, um, and it seems like a lot of people did. So, I mean, obviously that that worked out extremely well, even with his his fate on on Sunday. He he scored um, a ton of DK points. Yeah, I mean, the only really uh, shocking name in there would be Troy Merritt. Uh, not sure exactly where that one came from. Um, he's actually on on my blacklist, so I I do not play Merritt. Um, yeah, I mean, a lineup makes a lot of sense. Um, I I think the Bryson. Hovland stack was very popular and the Bryson Redmond stack was very popular, but I don't think all three of them were very uh, popular. That was a tough trio for you to fit, um, yeah. especially at, at, at super high ownership. So yeah, I mean, it all worked out. Merritt obviously was um, a huge key for that lineup. Yeah. Merritt came in with 102 DK points. Love it. Like what you said, the Bryson Hovland combo was very tough to get to talked about it on the Wednesday show on Roto grinders about how it was kind of interesting for GPPs because we knew that that would be a very high owned combo. How people were going to fit it was a little bit more uncertain because it was a lot of guys that people were talking about in that six K range. That's probably why Merritt shows up as just one of those unique ones at 1.2%. But it was funny. You could actually play, I believe it was Webb and Hatton for the same price as Bryson and Hovland. It was something crazy like that, or it was Reed and Hatton. I can't quite remember. I think it was Reed and Webb or Reed and Hatton. It was a mixture of those two guys. So didn't quite work out. Glad he got there with it. Shout out to Schwab72. Already got him in the listener league for the final end of year contest, which we're going to announce more on soon. Got him in the three-man. Uh, this week will be a four-man. We're going to get Ryan in with us. So that'll be a lot of fun. 
Uh, other than that, not much else to talk about with last week's tournament. Like we said, Bryson was the key. Uh, every podcast and tweet in the world is talking about him. So props to him. Uh, one thing I will say, last note on Bryson before I give it over to you for it, but just not a lot of people are talking about the you know stuff he's had to go through of what he actually had to do. A lot of steroid comments and things like all that. I don't really love to see that. I mean, if the guy di- is doing what he did, put it all together, and he still had to go do all the work. So I think it was Roy McElroy who talked about that a couple weeks ago and said, look, he wants to do it, good for him, but people are forgetting that he's actually gone out and put the work in and made this happen. It doesn't just happen overnight. There's not a lot of ways to gain advantages these days, and for him to go and do it, to have all the people talk about that stuff and ruining golf and all these types of things, I just think it's a, a tough scene, right? You, you can only do so much, and if you can find any competitive edge in anything that you do, of course you're going to look for that. So any final thoughts on Bryson before we move on, Ryan? I uh, No, I mean, I hope he stays healthy, uh, whether he wins or not. I think it's, it's, uh, it's fun to watch. Um, I wonder if, if other players are going to try and do something like this in terms of trying to maximize their uh, distance and stuff like that. But no, I mean, props to him. He is playing incredibly well. I just think at some point the putter is going to regress a little bit and uh, he's going to find himself in some trouble. Yeah, it's tough to say, and that's what's going to be fun about watching it. We're definitely witnessing a little bit of greatness right now where everyone's sort of got their own opinion on it, their own thoughts. It's going to be awesome to see, and it just makes golf that much more exciting. I know we'll get into some of these plays this week with certain guys like Bubba and Mickelson and Spieth, and not because we're all on them, but just there's a lot of guys that are still out there, name value, and we're waiting for like a Spieth comeback and all these things. And then you've got all the guys that we just talked about that are already crushing, and we want to see what they do this week in the top of the board. So before we get into the tiers, Ryan, we don't have Kenny for the super formal, super professional course breakdown, preview stats, et cetera, but maybe talk to us a little bit about the course and then just sort of what stats you're looking for this week and what's going to stand out to you with the memorial light, like you mentioned, as far as the, the course and the field's concerned. Sure. Uh, and, and first of all, thank you for mentioning Bubba Watson since I had no idea he was in the field. Uh, I'm going to have to make a bit of a mental note on that. I, I guess I glossed right over his name in, in that uh, 8K range. So, um, yeah, you know, I think kind of one thing going into the course this week. Uh, slightly different. Um, I do expect them to probably have easier hole locations, more in the center of the greens, flatter. I think you're going to see an absolute birdie fest this week. Um, so I will say that, uh, but the course itself, you know, it is a, a Parkland's, uh, par 72, um, as you see in the Midwest kind of tree lined, a long, rough undulating, you got to hit a lot of greens here. It's uh, historically been a, a, a ball strikers course. I mean, you've seen guys like, I mean, Jason Duffin to win here. Um, but you've seen young guys win here as well. You know, we saw Cantlay last year, Bryson the year before Matsuyama got his first win here. Um, but like Matt Kuchar's won here, Stricker's won here, Rose has won here, Tiger's won here five or six times. So, I mean, you're going to need ball strikers. Um, I do think the way the course will play this week, um, that you can favor bombers a little bit more than usual. Um, I think if you look back at last week, I think it's going to play a lot like last week, the same green types, the green complexes are pretty similar, not a Ross design, but pretty similar kind of long, rough around them, hard, firm, small greens. Um, so I do want guys who are striking well, who hit a lot of greens, have good proximity, but also who can save par when they need to. Um, yeah. it's important to kind of look at the field cause this is not the, the field that we normally see here, right? Uh, we normally see a, a much stronger field and this one's obviously a lot more top heavy. So when I was looking at this, trying to find some comps, um, I studied the field. It reminded me of waste management, right? Matsuyama. Fowler, Rom, and JT, Xander, Cantley, like that group, uh, Woodland even. So that's the type of event that I'm kind of looking at, at, at this one like. And when we play Phoenix, what do we normally do? You stack two studs and you fill out the rest with guys who are in good form. Um, so as I start to put together some thoughts in teams, I feel like I'm going to play a lot of, you know, Brooks JT, Xander Cantley, Brooks Cantley type teams, and then just find those guys in the sixes and sevens who, like you said, have been playing a lot, have been making cuts, have been scoring. Yeah, that's a good segue. And I think that's uh, interesting because my very first point that I was going to bring up, and I, I like that you have a, a different thought on it, is just that, you know, my general thoughts for the week, and we're about to get into these tiers, is that it's not really like last week 
where you have all these guys in the 6K range, like you mentioned, like Wolf. A lot of people were on him because the upside is just too strong of, of a guy down there, right? You had the Lanto Griffins. You had all these different guys that maybe none of them paid off like Wolf did, but there was plenty in there, even like we used the Troy Merritt at a lower price that you could feel a little bit more comfortable about that you've seen be up in these top 20 type spots. And that's kind of all you really need from a guy down there. And if they get a top 10, even better. And when I was looking at it, and I've talked about this in the past with Kenny, is some of these events that are more, again, this wouldn't be very you know, next week will be major esque or WGC esque, but I find at events like this where you have way more guys at the top, pretty great balanced in the middle, and you don't have a lot of guys that are down there. It's kind of good what you're saying to do that because that's going to make you unique. But it's also where sometimes it's harder to get these lineups to work. Like even just Justin Thomas, like you say, JT Cantlay, I love that combination at the top, and we're getting into it already here. But the problem is then you're so limited on what you could put in around it. And like you said, that recent form going with kind of what I mentioned earlier with this guy, with these guys since the break, bringing the form with them makes a lot of sense. So definitely look at that when you're building your lineups, let's get into the top real quick here, Ryan. We've got, I believe it's six guys this week. So we got JT, Rom, Cantlay, Brooks, Xander, Matsuyama. So where, where are you at with these six guys up there and any that stand out in particular to you? I mean, honestly, they're all great plays. Um, I don't have many weaknesses for any of them. I would say um, I was pretty much all in on, on Cantlay at, at Travelers, and he did nothing to change that. Um, I think he is the best play in this tier for, uh, for cash, for safety, and for some upside. Um, for, for GPPs, I think easily it's going to be Brooks or Xander. Um, and I would expect Xander to probably come in at, at the lower ownership. Um, Rom, I think is, is probably the one guy, uh, not just price, but just the volatility that I would probably fade here. And, um, I still have a feeling people are going to go back to JT. Um, if, if he was 10%, 12% owned, maybe I would go back there, but people like paying up for the highest price guy. I don't know why. Um, so if, if, if he's popular, I think I will cut JT and Rom and, and play the others. Yeah. It's interesting. You say that I, I agree with a lot of what you said, but a lot of people, I think, Ryan, they build their lineups value up. So once they hear all of our, you know, bombs at the bottom, they'll fill in with like three of those instantly click JT at the top yep. and then see what it looks like to fill out amongst the bottom. So that's where you can get your leverage plays at the top. For me, I'm always bullish on the same three Rory, JT, Rom. We obviously don't have Rory here. JT and Rom happen to be at the very top. So it's kind of interesting. Like you said, the thing about Rom and, and we're on the same page here that didn't really stand out for me is I, I thought he had something. I kind of liked him a lot a couple of weeks ago. So I hate to not just go back there and I'll probably have some, but I definitely like JT more and I, and Cantlay's the play. Like you said, I love having Cantlay. I think it'll be popular, but you'll be able to get different elsewhere. And, you know, a lot of talk in the industry of sports today about a certain Patrick Mahomes, but you know, on the same week, it could be Patrick Cantlay week because Mahomes signed that big contract, 10 year phenomenal contract for him. But if you look at Cantlay at 10, six here, a big week, I think is ahead for another Patrick. So I like him at 10, six, the GPP plays I like here would be Xander, who you mentioned. I think if he's going to be low-owned, and it kind of makes sense with Brooks right there, I could see this being a price or a spot to use him. Um, but I do still like Matsuyama below, and, and that's going to be my segue into the next range. My first pivot option of the week, I've already seen some talk out there about Justin Rose. I know he's getting a lot of early mentions, mainly because of his course history, uh, some of his recent form, his week off for rest, all those different things. And, and I could see if you wanted to use both of them in a balanced lineup, like start with Decky Rose for cash or something. But there's better plays to your point. And for me, I like Decky more than Rose. A lot of people made fun of me because normally I don't play a five-figure Decky. And last week, it must have been a little bit of the baby brain playing him at 10,200. It still looked okay until it didn't on Sunday. But this is DraftKings trolling me right at 10,000 straight. Uh, I'll definitely have more, more Matsuyama than Rose. The other couple plays here, so um, both Hovland, Morikawa, good range, likely to be popular. But again, I'll just get unique elsewhere. Ricky would be the GBP pivot off a lot of the popular plays in this range. He did show us a little something in Detroit and the price dropped a little bit, you know, wasn't really feeling the 9,500 last week, but now he's down to 9,000. So small range, not really high on Rose. You've mentioned Hovland and Morikawa. You have any other preferences here? No, you know, yeah, I mean, they're interesting. I mean, obviously you look at the, the players who have won here, uh, the young guys, especially who have won here, Cantlay, Matsuyama, uh, Bryson, you know, and that was before Bryson was hitting at 400 yards. I mean, Hovland and Morikawa fit that mold as young kind of ball strikers, birdie makers. So um, that would not surprise me. 
Um, I do like them both. I actually have, have Hovland um, very, very high in, in my model. He would probably be my cash game play here. And then, so basically you click in Hovland, you click in some value plays, and then basically you can probably choose one out of Cantlay or Matsuyama. So um, I don't think it matters too much, but if, if I had the extra five, 600, I would probably choose Cantlay. But I mean, I think Matsuyama Hovland is, is probably one of the more optimal cash builds. Yeah, we'll get to some of those guys down at the bottom, but I, I really do like that. And I think what you'll see, to be honest, is a lot more people start with, you know, Cantlay and then skip down even or start with Hovland mm -hmm. as their one as their beginning guy because you can get such a nice balanced lineup, even having Hovland and Morikawa paired together. So I'm not sure how unique that will be this week. We'll see once the builds start shaking out. You've said you've been able to build some builds or build some lineups already with some of these guys and doing doubles at the top. So I, I haven't played around with it too much but i got a little bit of a feel for it before hopping on and that's sort of my sense is that people will want to start with uh hovland and go down for something more balanced for cash for gbps you can pretty much do whatever you want but we'll have to get to those plays when we get down to the bottom uh take us into the 8k range it goes sung jm right down to the man we talked about bubba watson and the only reason i actually mentioned him it's kind of funny is before i hopped in here on with you there was like a golf channel commercial and it talked about phil mickelson and bubba watson uh, highlighting the field this week. So a uh, bit hey. interesting take on them when you've got all these other guys there, but we sometimes forget, like I say, the bubble that we live in and they don't have Bryson to talk about. So they just revert yep. back to who they think is actually watching the golf channel and not who actually is. Yeah, no, that's uh, it's, it's a very, very interesting range here. Um, I think we finally have, and I, I guess I glossed over him, but I mean, you mentioned Fowler for a second. Um, it depends how, how builds shake out. But I could see Fowler getting very, very popular. Um, he's he's played well here, and he's what right at nine k, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's he's played well here. I, I think two runner up finishes. Um, he did enough last weekend, closing round five under that people are going to look there. And of course, you can easily fit him with a JT Arama Brook. So that'll be interesting. Um, in yeah, I mean eight k range. Um, I think I think unlike last week uh, where you had you know uh, Rory Sabatini who stunk and Glover, and Redmond, and Hadwin. Um, I think you had a lot of good options there last week, but the way builds are going to go, I think overall this range is going to get skipped. Um, I don't have a lot of interest in M. He just hasn't really looked right since um, uh, Colonial. Reed um, has been very inconsistent. Uh, Leishman has been very inconsistent. Spieth is obviously very inconsistent. Uh, and so if you go down to the low range, that leaves you Kucher, Neiman, Woodland, Hadwin, Wolf, Bubba, and Fitz. Uh, I think if you play guys, I would play from this range, and I would just take the guys who have been playing the best. Uh, and for me, that would be Hadwin, probably number one. And honestly, uh, Neiman, number two, even though we saw Wolf last week, I just don't think um, he's done enough uh, beyond last week that I'm going to pay 8100 for him. Um, so I would say Hadwin is more of a cash play, Neiman more of a, a GPP play here. Yeah, and for those that don't know, you're hashtag Team Fitz, right? Even in your Twitter profile. So why don't you talk to me about Fitz for a second here? Because he came back, said he didn't really have it at the first event back, mm -hmm. looked a little bit better at the second, disappeared. The one thing I talked about on this podcast, and I, you know, I like Fitz's game. I think long-term we've got something there. You know a lot more about him than I do from being an avid follower. Uh, but the big thing was is that you know he was excited to get stateside and get playing. I know Rory McIlroy has taken some criticism for saying, you know, these guys should be over here playing, not worrying about the virus if they want to improve their careers. Don't really disagree with that. I think it's, you know, again, to each their own, though. I'd never force that on anybody or make a strong statement about it, just up to everybody what they want to do. But I know Fitzpatrick was very excited to make sure he got his 14-day quarantine in, to make sure he was going to be ready to go, and just haven't seen it really from him yet. But I think 8K is fair. What's sort of your hashtag Team Fitz take this week as far as Matthew Fitzpatrick goes? Yeah, definitely a fair price tag. You know, Fitz, um, yeah, I mean, with the exception of, of the uh, miscut at Travelers, which I think he missed by one, maybe two, you know, he's been playing really well. Uh, ball striking has been good. He's added a little bit of distance off the tee uh, per sources. I can't confirm that. Um, but his short game has been really, really bad, uh, which is surprising because it's, it's normally not. That's usually how, how he kind of makes his money. And um, he did play here once before. He made the cut uh, barely. But, I mean, what I did notice is – uh, he was near last in putting when he was here last time. So I think the combination of this is a pretty strong field um, for this event and his short game has been bad and he putted badly here last time he was here. I just, I just don't see the upside. Like, I don't see him making 20 plus birdies this week. 
Yeah, and like you said, if it's a birdie fest, it might be a spot to stay away. I really wanted to get your take on them because I never have a good feel for them. Uh, as far as myself in the 8K range goes, I'm sort of with you on Im and Reed. That you know, I'll talk about this a little more going forward and, and on this podcast specifically. Uh, when you get fields like this, you're sort of looking for guys, you know, in a you know 20 max or 50 max. You know, 20 max you might want to stay a little tighter, but if you've got 50 plus builds then I don't mind sprinkling in some guys like Eamon Reed because upside for their price. The problem is they've just been so bad, so inconsistent lately. But again, that's the whole point. They can pop at any time and bounce back. So I don't mind it. Uh, one GPP flyer here, and I know you mentioned same sort of thing for him, but Leishman, I, I think might, well, I, I think he could be unique here. And the fact that he's never really that popular, he's actually gained tee to green and approach on every event he's played in 2020, including the two recently in the Travelers and the Schwab. Four top 15s at this course in the last five times out with a fifth last year. So while he's been inconsistent, he's not really an, uh, you know, too aggressive of a price at 8700 I don't mind him for some GPPs. My second pivot of the week, though, and you mentioned him already, I like this, is you're on Neiman, and I'm on Neiman as well. I think that people love to play an $8,500 Kucher. There's nothing like it. He's a course history guy. He's probably the, the next best course history after Justin Rose. Hasn't really had anything since coming back, so I'm not sure if the break hurt him or, I mean, it has factually, but I mean, it's only three events. It's a small sample size or two or three for some. And so, but Neiman, the thing is, ball striking has been on, putter has been off. Uh, I don't talk a lot about these putting splits and whatnot, but tech, you know, traditionally, and if you look back in his small career so far, has been a little bit better on bent. Two good results here with a 27th and a sixth place at Mirfield Village the last two years. So um, I think it's a good spot for him to bounce back. People might not want to go there at 8,400. I love Hadwin, like you said, right back on that train. And then I'm always a sucker for Gary Woodland, not really going to be on Bubba or Wolf. I'm not going to continue to ride that train. I think, like you said, the interesting one on Wolf would be that it's going to be similar to last week, in your opinion, and the fact that he's still a bomber and, you know, he did have a bit of the approach game going, but it's, again, it came down to a lot of that final Sunday and everything just being in his head, I think. Did you have anything more on Matthew Wolf before we get into the 7K range? No, uh, just be just he's going to be overowned and he's obviously overpriced. You know, he went from a mid sixes last week to now 8K range. Um, yeah, and I mean, just to harp on on kind of Neiman again, not to pump up the ownership too much, <clears throat> but I mean, you him at uh, at Travelers, he was in the sevens at like 20% owned. He started 68, 66, 68. He just had a bad Sunday. If that's a good Sunday, then he's 8,500 and 20% owned again. And now this week, he's probably going to be, what, 6%, 8% or something like that. So, um, yeah, he's a great GPP play. I, I think it's an awesome option here. And, again, it's another young gunner that's just priced correctly, in my opinion. Like, it's, again, it seems like it's high, but I always talk about, you know, paying up for probability, meaning in the sense that, yeah, you might be paying more than you think he's worth, but you're going to get that back in the ownership game where he's going to probably be, like you said, even if we, you know, expect him to get pumped up a little throughout the week, because it's obviously Monday, early thoughts, et cetera. Let's say he gets to 10% or 8%. It's not, you know, I'm not one of these people that cut hairs on, well, if he was 8%, I'd play him. But now that he's 10, can't touch him. I don't do that game. You know, yeah. if he's going to be 8,400 at 10%, I'm still playing him. Yep, absolutely. Okay, I'll take us in. We're going to do 7,900 down to 7,500. Started at the top with Benny Han. This is the uh, contrasting, you know, or polarizing, I should say, plays at the top here in Benny Han and Louis O because they both, you know, get some love, but not a lot. There's always someone who's a Benny Han guy or someone who's a Louis O guy. Um, for the one standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them, we are Granger, your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh. Got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. Benny Ann does have good course history as far as Mirfield Village goes. We talked about it being a different course. I don't know, you know what that's going to look like overall, but... Um, he's been fighting through his swing since coming back. Seemed to find it a little bit at the Travelers, but that's one recent event sample size. So to me, he's more of an upside guide to like I talked about with Reed and him, where if you want to fit him into some lineups, go ahead, but you know what you're getting 
with him when you play him. The thing I notice is that he does tend to get more ownership in a spot like this than Louis at the same price. I really guess that there's not much of a difference between them in the sense that they're both always a huge risk and same price can pop at any time type thing. But Louis really hasn't popped in a while. So it'd be tougher to go somewhere like that. Uh, another one would be Scheffler, guy that I actually do like here. Back down to 7,800, definitely hurt some folks, uh, myself included, 7,600 a couple weeks ago. Then people like me went back to him at 9K and he got worse. Uh, he's, he, the thing is interesting though, is he was solid at API. I don't really care about the charity events over the break, but he did come first and second. I mean, you can't just have that happen if you didn't have some sort of semblance of a game. Um, Tita Green and Approach have really both been decreasing ever since though. So I'm not super high on him. I just think he's an interesting play in there. A guy trending in the right direction is Streelman. Uh, same price, actually been good with Tita Green and Approach, pretty much always under-owned because you, you never know when it's going to happen. But he was good at Travelers and he, he does um, have five straight miscuts at Mur Murfield, but four top 20s include a fourth year, fourth last year. So uh, I don't think people will play Streelman. And like I said, a fourth last year here, the stats coming in. I don't mind that. My two favorite plays, and then I'll kick it over to you, would be Joel Damon. Really been dialed in with his game before the break. Had two fifths at API and Genesis. Shot a 59 with his boys. Then we got sucked back into him on the Outlaw Tour. Uh, and now since coming back, he's got a 19th, a 48th, a 20th in three events since returning. And he's gained in Teeter Green and approach in all three. So I like him. And then Corey Connors, uh, to me, it's like a cheaper Benny Ann. It's just the Tita Green approach game or solid. He's actually a uh, pretty good price, I think, for what you're taking the risk with. Uh, he needs to get the putter hot, as we know, but he did, a little, did get a little worse at Travelers with the miscut, but he finished 21st and 19th before that. So who do you like in this 7,900 down to 75, 7,600 range? Yeah, I mean, very interesting uh, range here. And I think uh, this is the probably the, the second most important range uh, of the week. The most important range is the next one we're going to get into, low sevens. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say at the top, like what you said, I'm not going to play Mickelson. Um, I think, again, he had a couple hot rounds in Hartford. He was very, very low owned, uh, very, very underpriced in the 6K range. Um, now he's almost 8K and he's going to be owned. So uh, probably no interest there. Uh, I love Kevin Streelman. I loved him at Travelers, played a lot at Travelers, so um, have to keep riding that. But you mentioned the debate between Louie and Benny on. I mean, one of them is going to be 12 to 15% owned, and one of them is going to be 2% owned. Um, and so that makes it really easy. So that means Louie is probably the play. And yeah. So but you mentioned he's, he's, he's hard to predict, and it's true. Um, but what I look for with him is really, really low rounds. And in, in Hartford, he opened with a 64. And he kind of trended down throughout the week, but he closed with, I think, uh, um, 68, 67, something. But like when I see him shoot a really, really low round, that tells me that he's close. Um, and he can do that at any course, any time, uh, very unpredictable. So, I mean, great GPB play. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, yeah, sorry, that was a horrible play last week for 9K. It, it didn't matter <laughs> yeah. what the result was, but I mean, the fact that he was owned and he got hiked up to 9K uh, was bad. Um, I... I assume people will hop off a little bit, but again, he shot what minus seven on Friday. Um, so that will suck a lot of people back in. Um, if I see him starting to gain ownership, I probably won't go there again. Uh, my favorite plays, you mentioned one of them, Joel Damon. Uh, he is for sure. One of them. He's just been super, super consistent. Um, and he makes birdies. I do think he'll be owned. Uh, probably makes him more of a cash play than a GPP play, but I do love him. Um, I'm not as high on, on Connors as you, uh, my other favorite play here, and again, a guy who I played a ton last week, Maverick McNeely. Um, he's been very, very consistent for, I mean, almost a year now, makes a lot of cuts, makes a ton of birdies, uh, and crushes par fives, which I think you need here. Uh, I think yeah. both him and Varner will be popular. Uh, Varner may be still a little more popular as he was last week. I, I hammered them both last week, but um, I think McNeely is, is probably the better option. Yeah, and last week you could play both of them. It kind of worked out. Obviously, Varner faded a little bit. McNeely had a great Sunday, a lot you know, attributed to the putter. But like you said, that's just kind of what he does. McNeely's great. I think, again, super underpriced with upside at that range. So I like him there. Um, getting into a couple more, and then I'll take us through the, the lower range. And that's where, like you said, we're going to talk a lot. We probably won't spend a lot of time on the 6K range this week. But my third and final pivot option is going to be an interesting one. I'm always a Horschel guy. I play him consistently. I know some others around the industry are the same way, but no. it's going to be. Mm -mm. No, nobody, <laughs> likes, nobody likes Horschel. I know this already, but let me tell you who I really don't like, and that's why I'm playing him over, and that's 
Brant Dedeker. And that's Brant Snedeker, of course, but the dead stands for dead to me because I joked about him last week, you know, I, or like bouncing back because he wears the workday shirt. I don't think he's bouncing back. I think that he did sort of kind of what you just talked about a moment ago with the Scheffler. He excited everybody on round two when he had really no chance or what people thought he was coming back. And then he had that atrocious three or four putt, whatever it was there. Sucks people back in a little bit. Gets a little bit of narrative streak going this week. But he has just been horrible on approach. And then I go back and look how he's done here in the past with a lot of history. And he's been absolutely horrible here. So I know that Billy Horschel is not going to be a fan favorite. But uh, he hasn't really done much either himself, to be honest. But typically, he's a better ball striker. And I'm kind of looking for that when I'm having someone come back around. Hoping the off week helps him. Finished ninth here last year at Memorial. And we know he can get hot with the putter. And he specifically normally gets hot on bent or Bermuda. This is bent. But I'm just saying a spot that you can bounce back. At 7,500, he's more of the Reed slash M type play, like I mentioned earlier, or Benny Ann, where it's this, this guy that could have upside. I'm not advocating, like you mentioned, like Damon is the cash play or any format. Connors, Horschel, these types of guys are definitely more GPP. McNeely, who I like, who you said. Varner would be more the cash play again. Really hot with his uh, tee to green approach game. He just can't seem to get over the hump with some of the putts he needs to make down the stretch. 30th and 32nd, his last two out. Missed cut at the Heritage, but a 19th at the Schwab. Irons did get better over the weekend at the Rocket Mortgage Classic. So while he did fade away a little bit, his irons picked up again. So I think he's a fair play at 7,500. Like I said, it's going to come with ownership though. Uh, then it comes down to some of these quote-unquote good GPP plays because you've got like Armour, Griffin, Hubbard, all these guys, uh, you know, Henley. I, I'm going to let you talk through some of them. The two that I'll say that I think will get some ownership and stand out to people are going to be Shane Lowry and Sabatini. And I really hope, and more, more, mainly, sorry, just because they're the big names down here at 7,400, but I more so think and hope that they're not the Snedeker and Harmons of last week, the two guys that were sitting at 7,900 that blew apart a bunch of lineups. So what's your take on Lowry and Sabatini? And then talk me through the rest of this range. Um, yeah, first, I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna try and talk you off of Billy Horschel, but, um, but yeah, we can do that later. Yeah, do that first. Do that first. We can do that yeah, first. Yeah, no, well, no. I mean, just he's he, – look, he's a Bermuda guy. He's a short course guy. He uh, is a form guy, and he's coming off a two-missed cut. I just – I mean, I don't see it, but um, because he is so low priced, you know, models will love him. Um, and so that's one that's interesting. But yeah, this uh, next range is is key to the whole week for sure. Um, I think people are going to rely heavily on on what they saw last week, which would lead them right to Ryan Armour and Mark Hubbard. Uh, even some Lonto Griffin. Uh, where I think people started buying in in, in uh, Showdown and uh, Weekend and stuff like that. Even some on, on the main slate. Uh, but he's a guy who's, who's obviously won on tour. Um, as has Ryan Armour. Uh, Armour has the local ties. Armour has back-to-back top 25s here. So, I mean, I think they're all going to be pretty popular. Um, for GPP, yeah, I'm going to go the other way. You know, Rory Sabatini, I I played 30% last week at $8,800. Um, yeah. I, I would imagine I'm going to have close to 30% again at, at this price. Um, he would definitely be one that's interesting. Lowry would definitely be one that's interesting um, because he has a very, very strong short game, uh, which I like. And then kind of beyond that, you know, I'm just going for, you know, high upside, high scoring GPP plays. So when I see names like Chris Kirk and Cameron Tringali and Ryan Palmer and Ches Reedy, I'm going the other way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's right. I thought you were going to say I'm playing them. I'm no. like, oh, shit, I got none of those guys you marked in my uh, spreadsheet here right now. No, so please no, don't I, say you're on all of them. No, give me. Yeah, I mean, give me uh, Russell Henley. Give me Johnny yeah. Vegas. Give me uh, Keegan Bradley. Give me uh, Matt Wallace. Like. Max Homa, like I want those sort of guys. Um, I won't play. Yeah, I mean, you see here again, Brian Stewart, Bud Colley, Zach Johnson, Grio. Like, I'm not playing those guys. Yeah, I think you've hit on a couple that you know. I just want to make a couple more points. The one thing on um, Armor is, you know, it's two strong recent results. His approach game was good, but in that time, he's gained quite a bit still with his putter and on Poa courses, which I mean, he's obviously been better on the bumpy Poa. Like I said, I'm not a big greens guy but you know in this case i'm going to talk a little bit more about it just because little things that i notice that stand out that i tend to had luck with in the past you mentioned Ryan, russell henley uh, i think it's a great gbp play crushed with t to green approach to travelers really lost you know two guys lowry and him are losing heaps of strokes with the putter so another guy much better on bent you know as far or bermuda is henley uh, in the past he's done well here he's 33rd 29th and 6th so i think he's got the the chance here to go low people aren't going to be on him as much 
Uh, Grillo, I got to talk about quickly, and you can talk about him if you like. But someone joked about me not being, you know, not talking about him on the pod the last couple of weeks, and then him doing good. I said, you know, I'm not really sure a 39th and a 60, 60th with a couple of missed cuts will pay the bills, but I'm back on him. So he did gain on approach all four events since coming back, and he had a ninth here last year. And then I think you've even mentioned this on a, on the Golf Landia podcast one time, maybe as a joke, but didn't Spieth say he likes the fast bent grass greens? Isn't that what we're at right now? I mean, yeah, Wiley may have made that quote up, but um, yeah, yeah, I mean, Grillo's, possible. yeah, I mean, Grillo's very interesting. I mean, obviously, he is a great ball striker historically, and then recently, again, uh, ball striking has been good. Um, I played a lot of him at, at, at Travelers because he was like 6,300 and like 1% owned, so that worked out okay. Um, I didn't play much last week, uh, which looked bad for a while, but he, again, he slowly faded on, on the weekend. But the ball striking has been good. And when you have a guy like that, he likes this course. He hits a lot of greens. And historically, um, he's putted really well here. Maybe there's something to that. Um, I think, again, I would probably rather play him in a cash game than in a GPP because I, I don't know if he has you know a top 10 upside. But he's probably going to finish between 20th and 40th this week. Yeah, I like that take. A uh, couple more guys just to talk me through before we get down there. First range I want to talk about quickly is the Kali Homa. You mentioned Homa. Uh, these are two guys I like down here. They're both at the same price. Both pretty much have a strong tee to green and approach game lately and decent outings here last year. So you can play them both, of course, but you're saying Homa over Kali or do, or do you have a take on either side? Yeah, I would say Homa over Kali. I mean, one upside. Um, I like the birdie making upside with Homa. Uh, plays par fives pretty well. He's another guy. I mean, I, I, I've played quite a bit of him going back to, I guess, Heritage, um, where he wasn't a great course hit, but he played okay. Um, I played a lot of Homa, and yeah, I, mean, I just like his upside. Bud Cauley, um, he just, he never seems to get into the top 20. He might be there for a while, but he has a lot of finishes, you know, mid-30s, mid-40s, mid-50s, and just, you know, he doesn't make a lot of birdies. Um, he doesn't even give himself a lot of birdie opportunities. So I'd rather play the better putter, and uh, the better par five scorer again he did withdraw uh, a couple weeks ago out, out of uh, precaution for coronavirus i'm sure he's fine but just another thing that i guess you may want to consider yeah the abundance of caution man. yeah you gotta you gotta recall that that's the yeah the quote of the I'm year on the tour just, yeah i mean i'm thinking he withdrew because he didn't want to play by himself with matt wallace uh <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very possible yeah um one, one other guy and we got to talk about him i know it's a, a guy we've talked about before uh, really crushed everybody's soul last week, and he was now a hundred dollars. He's now a hundred dollars less. He was seventy one hundred. He's now seven thousand. It's your boy Kyle, Kyle Stanley. Stanley. Three top six finishes at Mirfield in his last five tries. Was really good at Travelers before a very rough Rocket Mortgage Classic, and he also crushed a lot of my lineups and led to some of those DFL finishes. So, what's your Kyle Stanley take before we get into the seven k, the the below seven k range? Yeah, I mean, he falls in that category of, I mean, if I'm going to play a guy 20% one week, I'm not going to go to zero next week. Uh, right. Like unless he got like a 2,500 uh, price hike, uh, which he didn't. And again, he played pretty well Friday. He still made some bogeys, but I think he shot three under uh, Friday and he hit a ton of greens, just wasn't putting well. Um, so yeah, I mean, at that point, you're basically just throwing out one bad round. Um, it's exactly what I did last week with Cameron Tringali. I played a ton of travelers. He opened with like a plus three round. It was terrible. I went right back there last week and he was great for three and a half rounds. So I think yeah. you guys just got to realize that if you have strong conviction on a guy one week, he has one bad round, like can't give up on that. Yeah, it's definitely something to monitor. I mean, it's important and it's, you got to remember it's golf. We're going to talk about, I'll drop a little tidbit later on, you know, a story around that, but I mean, it's just the way it works. And in these situations, especially in GPPs with PGA DFS, the recency bias is extremely strong, both for good and for bad. And you got to try and pick the little things from that and then sort of put together with the stuff we're telling you as we, as we go along, like Ryan mentioned with the Billy Horschel stuff that has me already rethinking that as we get down to the lower 7K range or below 7K range. So uh, down here, we're not going to spend a lot of time, Ryan. Do you have maybe two, three, four, five picks, whatever you got down here that stand out? And then I'll give you a couple takes on mine and close it out. Um, sure. Yeah. I mean, when I was going through, there's really not a, a, a ton that I like here. Um, I mean, I think again, if, if I'm just looking at guys who I've, I've been playing and really haven't let me down, I think one again would be, uh, uh, Richie Wierenski, who was good until Saturday and Sunday. I don't know what his upside is. I don't know. I was telling Wiley, like, I don't know how this guy has a tour card. He doesn't really do anything well. He just makes a bogey and then a random birdie and then a birdie and then a double, like he's just all over the place. 
Um, he would be one. Norlander, I've played a lot of. He would be another one. Um, I believe he was number one in ball striking last week. I could be wrong, but I think he, he was. was number one. Yeah, yeah, I've got that marked here. He was. He I was, was uh, been really strong since coming back, and then he had it again. So good for him. Yeah, and I think the only other two guys that I like that I've I've played uh, recently, if you like upside, uh, Swafford uh, would be one for sure. Um, and then Ortiz. You know, Ortiz, everybody was playing him. And he was in the sevens and then upper sixes. Now he's 6,400 after one bad week. And so, like we said, if it's a guy who's been playing pretty well and he had one or two bad rounds, like and now his price goes down with low ownership, I mean, why not play him? Everybody was playing him a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, phenomenal GPP play. I'll, I'll start down there because before I get, you know, that's kind of the lowest I've got marked here. And think about him, I don't, you know, just looking back, you guys can all go to your stats databases and everything go back and see all that stuff it's not much about that but when you're talking about upside and gpps and ownership i mean he's not going to be owned he's it doesn't even matter how much anyone pumps him up he won't get over probably seven or eight percent and probably be way lower i'm just giving it the benefit of the doubt but there was a graphic they threw up a couple weeks ago when he was in the field of like all the i mean it was like four top tens or something like that he's had in the past couple like it just it's something you didn't expect to see for upside for a guy like that and at 6400 again we don't necessarily need the top 10 if we're taking down the millie or something that'd be nice let's get him in there but I'm just saying he's definitely a fair play for something like that. The other guys that stood out to me, so I uh, got to mention Cam Davis quick. Pour one out for, for all my lineups with him as well because he missed a three-foot or four-foot putt at the very end of the yep. second round to miss the cut. That really sucked. That was my uh, best chance at a six at a six. I got a five at a six in the 555 that really could have used him over the weekend. I still cashed it, but it would have been nice to have him in there and get some of that scoring. So I'll, I'm the same as you when you talk about going back to guys. Not going to need a lot of them to make it work. Uh, Norlander, who you were on, not only in the ball striking categories and everything like that, but he does rate out extremely well when it comes to par five scoring, which you mentioned being important and I agree with as well. So I like him there. Swafford, you mentioned I was sort of had him as the last guy in in this range. Munoz, I uh, don't really love him, but it's one of those guys too that you could go back to because everyone was on him last week at 7,100, failed them, and now he's back. So worth a shot. He's another guy kind of like Ortiz that's cheap enough. People did like playing in these scenarios. He used to be priced. I mean, Connors used to be down here. It was like a Connors, Munoz, Ortiz thing. Varner, all those guys down in that range. And Munoz sort of fell off a little bit. But I mean, it's a, a good play for 6,800 for GPPs if you're looking for upside. And then the last one I have here is Tom Hoagie. 13th here in his one try in 2018. Definitely didn't do anything for people last week. Missed another cut. He has gained on approach in his last three since coming back, but hasn't done much else. But the one thing I did mention, I think it was on the Wednesday show I did with Rotogrinders last week about Hoagie that I like, and, and I know you know this, but he he hangs out with like JT and plays practice rounds with him. And I just can't think, but you know, I can't help but think when you're around guys that are doing well all the time, you're, it doesn't make you get to their level. I'm not saying that. It's not even close to comparing to anywhere near that. So don't take this the wrong way. But my point is, and people talk about all the time in success and business and entrepreneurship and all these things, you know, DFS specifically, and especially where they say, get around guys or girls that are doing what you want to do and having the success you want to have. It has to rub off a little bit on the mental side. So anything more down here, any thoughts on Hoagie at 6,900? No, but there's a, a lot of irony about you talking about hanging out with guys who make you good when you're such a big Ricky Fowler fan, right? Notice I don't mention him much anymore. Yeah, you know, this guy <laughs> is still my favorite. I love him, but I just can't get behind it. Like, I just can't see a world that we live in right now where he ever gets the major. And it is what it is. He'll probably win a tournament once every two years or once every year and a half. He has a lot of ways into these tournaments. He's not going anywhere, but I believe he's falling outside of the top 50 and someone joked around about how Hovland and Wolf as the Oklahoma state guys are actually going to pass him on the OWGR. Not that that's oh, yeah. the real end. Uh, I'm just saying that's pretty crazy. I will say, I mean, I think again, you can look at this however you want, but that sort of stuff will motivate him, not just the rankings, but knowing that these guys who really have looked up to him for years are going to pass him and they are passing him. Uh, I will say he was, he is firmly in play this week. Um, I, agree. I don't, I don't know if he'll win, but a combination of, of that price with the ball striking, he hit like 82% of greens last week too. So um, now he hold a bunker yeah. shot and stuff like that. So it's up in the air. The only other guy that I'll mention just because every week I go down, like down to the very, very bottom. And I try and find someone who I like uh, last week was uh, Zach Zucker, who, you know, made the cut, but kind of spun around um, this week, Hank, Hank Lebiota. Uh, he missed the cut last week, but if you look, his ball striking was awesome. Hit a ton of greens. He just, he missed every putt. Uh, I think he gained over a stroke on approach in, in the two rounds and gained about half a stroke off the tee. 
Um, he's obviously not very good, but probably a guy who should be 65, 66 versus a flat 6,000. Um, so, yeah. you know, if, if you're trying to play a, a JT Cantley team, let's say, and you need to go down to the bottom, I think Lebiota, I think Chase Kepka is going to be owned in some capacity. Uh, but I think Lebiota is, is actually a, a viable option here. Yeah, you nailed my next thought. I was going to bring up Chase Kepka there at the the base minimum back to the quote-unquote due to an abundance of caution, the withdrawal. You know, all seriousness, very cool to see them reach out to him and get him back in. I know that the Travelers already said, I believe it was the Travelers, right, that they're already going to have him back uh, on next year because of the situation, how he got in on the Monday queue. Brooks got to watch him get in. And then, of course, with everything with Ricky Elliott, Brooks' caddy, Chase had to withdraw as well, which sucked. But, I mean, it's cool to see him back here right away. I do think, like you said, more people will go to him. I wonder if Hank Lebiota is the reason you always come in second in these queues because you'll have a beautiful lineup with like JT Cantlay, all the best studs, and then Hank will screw it up for you. But uh, definitely like your take. And people were using Hank, myself included, in some showdown lineups. Uh, last thing, got to get your take on this before I don't get a lot of time. You know, I don't get to talk to you a lot of the time uh, on air or anything like that where we can go on a podcast together. But we didn't talk about Jordan Spieth. And you mentioned Ricky being in that sweet spot of pricing, 9,000, where we kind of would like him at 85, but nine will take it. It's not quite the 9,500 of last week, and he showed some stuff. What about Spieth, 8,600, and what he's been doing lately, off and on again, the roller coaster ride? Are you, are you in or out as far as that ride's concerned? Uh, I would say out at the price. Um, I was playing him uh, like at Schwab when he was 8,000 flat on a course that he loved. And, I, I, I mean, yes, he was like 20% owned because of it. I think that's the type of situation that I'm looking for. Um, he's been okay here, but nothing crazy. Um, and I just, I think the issue with Spieth right now is um, he needs to have a crazy low round. He was doing it a lot last year on Thursday specifically. Um, he's missing too many short putts and making too many bogeys. So his max is like a 67 or 68. Like he, I mean, even at Travelers, he shot four rounds in the 60s and was still T54. Uh, I, I just don't see the upside and I certainly don't see the upside for $8,600. Yeah. It's an interesting spot. I'm going to take the expense of myself with a short joke here and just say that Jordan Spieth's ride is I'm too, I'm too short to get on this ride. So I'm not going to get on this one this week. I'm going to avoid that roller coaster uh, at Disney world. And I'm going to move down here. The two tidbits I do want to drop and you can chime in if you want, this is all sort of a bit or a shtick, but people like to get a little tid couple tidbits before we get out of here. Um, the two Monday Q guys that got in. So they rounded out the field again, guys, you definitely got to, in these, you know, this day and age, keep an eye on the withdrawals because they seem to come fast and furious when they do show up, but it's, you know, Rob Bolton, those types of guys, all the guys that do all the retweets of the news on Twitter, will show you when they happen. We'll try and get you guys that news as much as possible. But the two guys that got in, MJ Defu and Donnie Trosper, I'll save Donnie for a second, Donnie T, if you will. But MJ Defu, Monday queued six of his last 10 attempts, both Corn Ferry and PGA combined. So Monday Q, if you, info, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you should. Great guy, got a lot of information. He really, you know, takes pride in all these guys, and he should, that are, are grinding it out and doing their thing. And it's kind of interesting as a huge golf fan to follow along and see this stuff. But I thought that was really interesting. But here's the good one. Donnie T., Donnie Trosper, a.k.a. Donnie Prosper, if you really want to do well this week, I'm sure he'll be right there with your Hank Lebiota price tag of 6000 straight. Check out this tidbit. So for those that don't know, Donnie Trosper, and he was owned some, even in the 555 last week. I don't know why, but let's just go with it. I think it was the local angle. But he goes to the Monday queue last week, qualifies, gets in the event, his hometown event, or whatever you want to call it, the Detroit Rocket Mortgage Classic. Uh, he's a Michigan State University guy. Finishes DFL. After round two, doesn't make the cut, of course, <laughs> plays around with his buddy on Saturday, he says, before goes and scouts out the Monday qualifier course on Sunday. Wakes up on Monday morning, gets a McDonald's breakfast sandwich, proceeds to shoot his best score ever of his life. He said he had a lot of 63s, but he drops a 62 by dropping a 35-footer on 18. And so what he says is this, and this is why I'm going to say, look out for Donnie Prosper, because this guy says... He's got way too much pressure on him last week at home. He was, he was staying at home with his parents, friends, family, all on his ass every four seconds about what's going on. And this week will be different, he says. So Donnie Trosper, a.k.a. Donnie Prosper, this could be your way to make money this week. What do you think, Ryan? Am I going too much here? Or is this a guy that can make it happen? 62 today. Out yeah, I mean, probably. I mean, yeah, probably a combination of both. You know, any, I mean, anything like this is a viable GBP option. Uh, these Monday Q guys, they are very, very good. It is extremely hard to get through those fields. So for him to do it twice in a row, 
Uh, he's obviously playing very good golf, and I'm sure you could do worse. Um, I will say the <laughs> courses. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the courses they play for Monday Qs are obviously not PGA Tour courses. Like, right. it's easier to shoot a 62 there, and then you come to this sort of course. But I mean, yeah, if I can play a guy for min salary who just shot a 62, I don't really care where he was playing. Right? It's a viable option. Yeah, I, I like that. And I think another guy that got in the field that we're not going to talk about, but just a heads up, is uh, Chase Seifert got in as well. And we, you know, sort of follow him. He's a guy that Monday queued some last year and can make a lot of birdies. So I think that's enough, Ryan. We talked about a lot of plays. I, I do appreciate you coming on for all that. You mentioned a couple cash game plays that you like, you know, sort of filling in for Kenny, some, some big shoes to fill when it comes to dropping the cash game cornerstones and all the nuggets. So I mentioned my pivot plays. Did you have any bets for this week that stood out off the top as far as PGA goes? Um, well, I mean, long story short, no, I did mention this to you this morning that like, I took my first look as I do every Monday morning through the books. Um, I saw almost nothing, uh, that I liked the guys that I did like, I felt were pretty short. So the only bet that I made was Brooks Kepa at 16 to one. Okay, nice. I, I uh, took some of your advice and not the other. I just bet the guys anyway that you told me were shit. So, um, the one I did take that I liked a lot that you said was Norlander 250 to one with the each way. So I got just four yeah. so far. I left a little bit behind. Cause like you said, there's other stuff that'll come up. Maybe there's in running numbers that are, you know, in, in round numbers that I can find that I like, but I didn't listen to you on Morikawa. I'm taking them anyway at 33 to one. I know it's not the best number, but I'll, I'll take it. I always am a sucker for Woodland. So Woodland at 50 to one with the each way. I normally don't really each way anyone until they get past 50, but I just don't know if he'll win. Right? Like, so I, I really don't mind that if he sort of mm -hmm. makes a run at it. So I like that. And then this one is just a terrible one. I shouldn't even mention it, but yeah, you know, Scheffler 70 to one with the each way. <laughs> I'll try it again. Just he's sort of that bounce back situation. I think he's just going to pop out of nowhere, but it's probably was better just to play him in DFS at 7,800 looking back at it now, but I'm okay with that. Is there, is there anything on that that you can think of or anybody else? No, no. You know, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, I mean, I liked, yeah, I mean, I liked Hovland, Morikawa, Fowler. I thought they were all fine, but like maybe all 10 to 15 points shorter than I wanted. Um, but yeah, like the comp that I made earlier with Phoenix, you know, I just look back at who's won at Phoenix. I mean, recently it's been Webb, Woodland, Brooks, Fowler, Matsuyama. Like, I just think that's what's going to happen here again. So I think you're going to see one of these guys from, from basically JT down to Matsuyama win. Um, and I basically took the guy with the best odds, which is Brooks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely nothing wrong with that. I think he's also going to be a good GPP play because as much as he'll get some talk and when you've got Cantlay, Matsuyama, JT up top above, all we talked about hobbling down below, I believe that range does go overlooked. So yeah. before we get out, yeah. And before we get out of here, I was going to ask you one more thing, just because I know you'll go through this further on the Golflandia podcast with Wiley, but what's, you know, Euro's back. It looks like Outlaw's out, Euro's back. And just because yep. I got you on and I can utilize this again, for those of you that don't follow Ryan, on Twitter at our bear off 427. You definitely should. He's going to put out his bets and picks every week. He shows them to you guys. He's, you know, free. It's no paywall there with Mr. Bear off. So he'll get that stuff out to you. You'll definitely want to follow him when you're listening to this, but what do you got for me for Euro this week? Talk to me about a couple plays. Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of pricing uh, kind of came out late, so I haven't been through uh, that completely. I do know that uh, Yaus Lauten is the highest price, which is going to throw some people for a loop uh, because overall it is a, a, a very, very weak field. Um, yeah, I mean, I've looked carefully, not many of these guys have played recently. There's been a couple, um, small Euro events, uh, Nordic tour events. So you can look towards that. But I mean, my main guy this week as, as always is going to be Antoine Rosner who happened to win one of these mini tour events a couple of weeks ago, um, in France, I believe. So I was going to play him anyways. I think he's 8,500 on DraftKings. So kind of good. If, if you're just kind of going with a balanced approach, uh, I'm going to play the, they put up like a, I think a 180 GPP. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll have him in that. So there's one of my spots. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think again, uh, Yaus Lauten is the favorite. He has a good course history. So if you can fit him in your lineup, I probably would. He tends to do really well in these weak field events when he's the favorite. Um, but I mean, beyond that, it is a, a pretty trashy field. Um, I would go very, very low exposure would be my advice. <laughs> yeah. The, the 180 is more your, your MO there with that stuff. Cause again, you're going to have a feel on all six guys in your lineup. They do have, I think a nice $10 with like 10,000 at first. Yeah. If you want to just take some shots, you know, if you want to blow off 50 bucks real quick and just chuck five lineups in, there's some plays. I mean, Ryan gave them to you. I do find, you know, in my short experience in Euro, I haven't done well with it, but you know, a guy like, like, uh, Yost Luton, he's going to be owned but he normally makes the cut and then it just depends on what he does from there because they're sort of priced accordingly in that sense. And then it just gets atrocious 
from down there. And you just sort of got to pick and choose who you want and hope to not hit the landmines. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, uh, one of the uh, the other two guys at the top, uh, Thomas Dietrich and uh, um, Adri Arnaud, are always very, very popular. So again, I think anyone who builds high-end teams is going to have a team that starts with one or both of them, which I think, again, just give me the highest price guy at a low ownership. Right on. Well, yeah. Ryan, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you coming on this week, uh, filling in for Kenny. DGen Nation definitely thanks you for that. Let the people know again where they can find you and what, what you got going on as far as this week and in the future goes. Sure. Yeah. Arbaroff427 uh, at Twitter. Catch me on the Golflandia podcast with Matt Wiley every week. Um, and beyond that, uh, DMs are always open. I, I uh, work from home. I'm on the computer all the time. So feel free to reach out if you want to bounce any plays off. Uh, my only advice is don't take my advice. Yeah, that's probably good. I, I Like I said, I like to make fun of you a little bit. You and I chat quite often. It's good to get you on a show here. So we'll chat more after this, I'm sure. Guys, you know where to find me on Twitter, at Totag and Tambo. Hit me up there. You can DM me, whatever you need. If you have any more questions, follow-ups to this, I'll have all my shows on Roto Grinders. Uh, Wednesday, I'm going to be on with one of the new members, TJL. You'll find me on there with him. And then Saturday, I do my round four show, which usually I just get my picks off bear off and then go bring them on to the show. So good guest to have on this week. But again, remember, guys, presented by Roto Grinders, head on over to rotogrinders.com slash DGen. Get the promo. You know, you're able to go on there, get the savings, check it out. We got Notorious, STL cards, all the guys that I've talked about, and I'm bringing on shows. So you're definitely going to want to get that core premium content. Other than that, let's win some motherfucking money. DGen Nation. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Hip, 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 powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. The been thinking about McDonald's all day. Can't get it off my mind. I can already taste it. Ooh, got my mind on my mouth and my mouth ready for some Mickey D's deal. There's a deal for every moment at McDonald's. Right now, get two of your favorites for just $3.50. Mix and match a classic McChicken, a hot and spicy McChicken, or a juicy McDouble. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Single item at regular price. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.